Romans um, based their their teachings uh, on Seneca, the philosopher, who said it was it was uh, noble uh, to kill yourself if you if you were sick, if you were feeble minded, if you were handicapped. Um, so modern um, the Christian the Christians opened up hospitals, uh, clinics uh, connected to uh, churches. And they cared for people, even during the plague in Carthage. It was Christians who, who uh, sacrificed themselves to care for those who were sick. Canada as a country tries to keep preachers from going extinct. We have saved the seals, saved the whales, and so on. But one of the things that, at least in today's Canada, they're trying to make extinct is pro-life doctors. We've got one of those nearing extinction creatures with us today. His name is Paul Saba. He's got a new book out called Made to Live. He's not afraid to live out his pro-life beliefs, even in the medical field in Canada. He's written a book about it. He's gone to court about it. And he's our next guest here on the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Hey there, friends. I just wanted to tell you about something in case you didn't already know it. LifeSite is in partnership with a group called St. Joseph's Partners because in today's day and age where things are getting more and more strange out there, we want to be sure that, you know, we have some reserves of gold and silver so that if debanking happens, which has happened before and, and seems to have gone on with the truckers and everything else, that we at least have some backup. Um, and so there's been a lot of investing in gold and silver. We wanted to find a company, though, that we could trust with our investments like that. And St. Joseph's Partners is such a company. Obviously, by their name, you know that they're Catholics, and we know that they're very, very faithful indeed. You can go check out the shows I did with Drew Mason, who is the founder of St. Joseph's Partners. But also, I wanted to tell you about a neat little project we did. And this is really for both support of LifeSite News, but also for gifts for those people who sort of have everything and you wonder what you can get for them. Well, we minted a coin, uh, a silver coin, and it's a one ounce silver round, they call it. It has uh, LifeSite on the front for our 25 year anniversary that we're celebrating, but also on the back, it commemorates the overturning of Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs decision. So it's a collector item coin and uh, encourage you to grab one for yourself, grab one as a gift for that person who seems to have everything else, they might like it very much. And uh, please support us at LifeSite News by getting our coin. Uh, we've just printed under 10,000 of them, so it's a collector item, a limited edition. God bless you and thank you. Dr. Paul Saba, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for inviting me. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So, Dr. Saba, it's very interesting to talk to a medical doctor about this because your book, Made to Live, is very upfront about your support for life along the whole spectrum, both from conception to natural death. And of course, in Canada, we have this medical aid in dying, which is euthanasia. And it's, it's come in only over the last five years or so, but it's come in with such force. One of the first things it did was to slam into medical students such that they weren't able to get their medical degrees if they wouldn't agree to at least refer for euthanasia, which a lot of them had problems with in the first place. 
If you can address that first, because it's such a burning question, and then we'll get you to talk more generally about your book. It's part of the attempts to get away from medical ethics that were based and have been paid based on Christian principles. Uh, Sir William Osler, who is the founder of modern ethics, of which we as physicians uh, are uh, pra- have been practicing for decades, uh, based all of his teaching on the Good Samaritan model. And um, Sir William Osler was uh, graduated from McGill University Medical School. He was also a, a leader at, at McGill, professor of medicine, and he founded John Hopkins University. And he's considered the father, father of modern medical ethics, which, and he based all of his teachings on Christian principles. So going towards medical aid and dying, euthanasia, uh, goes against those principles. You know, modern medicine has been based on taking care of those who are sick, uh, those who are handicapped, uh, those who have mental health problems, the whole spectrum. And this was not a model that was a basic medicine uh, uh, going back to the Roman times. In fact, Romans um, based their, their teachings uh, on Seneca, the philosopher, who said it was, it was uh, noble uh, to kill yourself if you, if you were sick, if you were feeble-minded, if you were handicapped. Um, so modern um, the Christian, the Christians opened up hospitals, uh, clinics, uh, connected to uh, churches, and they cared for people. Even during the plague in Carthage, it was Christians who, who uh, sacrificed themselves to care for those who were sick. So um, uh, this is this is uh, totally against uh, m- medical ethics. I would call it postmodern. Uh, this is retrograde uh, medicine, going back to the Roman times. Um, Hippocrates, obviously, who wasn't a Christian 2,500 years ago, he had enough. Uh, clarity of mind to uh, have physicians make an oath not to kill people and not to abort their their female patients. Um, So um, what is happening right now is barbaric. If we can back up now, I'd love to hear a little bit of your story because it's very rare to have a doctor in Canada who is openly pro-life and openly against euthanasia as well, openly um, against abortion and euthanasia. Uh, So tell us about your background. Okay, well, I was born and raised in uh, Lachine. Um, My grandparents are Lebanese immigrants, um, but we were always, um, you know, our our Christian uh, foundation always uh, valued life. Uh, That there was, uh, it it wasn't a question. And, And what motivated me to go into medical school was because I valued life. Um, did I always live the Christian life? No. And in my book, uh, I describe uh, how I, I came back to my Christian faith. Um, but the, what really uh, was pivotal and why I wrote the book, uh, Made to Live, uh, was really the experience uh, um, my wife and I and our family had with our third born, uh, Jessica. Uh, because at 20 and 24 weeks on the ultrasound, they said we had a serious problem. And uh, they said, um, when they told us, uh, they said that this... Uh, future child, uh, this pre-born child, uh, would not have quality of life, had a serious heart condition, was probably Downs, and that uh, we should consider our options and our options being abortion. And we said, absolutely not. And uh, Jessica was born. Uh, even just before the time of born, they contacted my wife and they asked her, um, and, and I was with her, uh, what do you want us to do? 
if the baby um, is struggling at the time of birth. And my wife said, uh, uh, you do everything for her because I did everything to bring her to this point in, in my pregnancy. And then they turned to me and they asked me, they said, and, and Dr. Saba, if it's a life between your life and the life of your, of your wife. Uh, and my wife said, no, no, you don't ask my husband, you ask me. And I was quite surprised of her reaction. And she says, you do everything for the baby. Uh, of course, uh, you know, in modern medicine, we, 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 we always prioritize the life of the mother. But my wife was very uh, adamant, you know. So even when we have our disagreements, uh, you know, as all spouses and husbands and wives do, uh, I always uh, can't forget that. And I have to overlook uh, anything that uh, this was just amazing, the courage of my wife and her resoluteness to bring Jessica to birth when she was born. At six days, uh, she got amazing medical care at the children's. They uh, opened up her valve um, and they had to do a redo procedure. Her heart was only half formed. Um, they The right ventricle wasn't functioning at all. But after they did the procedure, it started to function. And at 11 months, they redid. She's amazing, brilliant 13-year-old. Uh, and we're very thankful every day. And the message I always tell people is, uh, you have to give life a chance. We're never guaranteed outcomes. We weren't guaranteed that we would have a healthy child after this. We weren't guaranteed that. But if you don't give life a chance, you never know what you're missing in life or could be missing. That's so beautiful. Did that experience change you, do you feel? I think that um, it, it made me more resolute. Uh, it, it made me... Um, I'm not judgmental, and in the book I'm very clear that we have good judgment, but not be judgmental women who've had abortion. I talk about accompanying a woman to an abortion clinic when I was a younger man uh, and live with those regrets to this day. And Jesus never judged people. He always uh, tried to lead pe people to a better way of living. Even the woman caught in the act of adultery and everyone was ready to stone her. And... Um, uh, and uh, and he, he said, he's without sin, cast the first stone. And they all went away and left this woman. And then when the woman approached him and they spoke, um, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, uh, uh, sin no more. And when you look at what the interpretation of sin in there, it means uh, go down a better pathway. Uh, Jesus always wanted us to go down a better pathway, pathway. We're going down the wrong pathway here in Canada and countries and states that have chosen abortion and uh, euthanasia or assisted suicide. And, 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 and viable lives are lost. We as people have lost our souls by, uh, by accepting it. And that's why I, I believe very strongly uh, we need a, a, a transition, not just in our laws, but in the hearts and minds of people who've been misled down this uh, pathway of death. With regard to the life issues, I think there's certain basic questions that everybody has. And with euthanasia, it's a very, very difficult question because it's the suffering. You know, just as with abortion, it's always, well, what about rape and incest? On the euthanasia question, it's always, well, what about this grave suffering? And people can't escape suffering. I mean, goodness, we take care of our dog when our dog is too sick. As much as it hurts us, we put our dog down to put it out of its misery. Why can't we do that with people? Don't we care enough about people? That's probably the central question for people, the hardest one for them to grapple with. How do you respond? Yeah, with quality palliative care, people don't suffer. They have supports. They have uh, pain support. They have psychological, physical, nutritional. I, I sit on a committee 
that reviews these cases. I, and I, I hesitated to be on the committee, but they said, Dr. Saab, I said, do you, do you realize that I'm opposed to it? They said, yeah, we'd like to have your view because we want an opposing. And I'm very grateful for that. And, uh, and, and, and I would say um, uh, 80% of the, what they complain about is more psychological suffering, feeling isolated, being a burden. Those are the major factors. The physical suffering, and I always raise the question, did they get all the pain control um, that they, they needed and supports? And it's not always the case that that's the case. It's usually it's uh, uh, they've just had enough, you know. Uh, but we can, with uh, quality palliative care, uh, ease them out in a way so that they aren't physically suffering. Why? What's the difference between, um, you know, giving somebody one shot and getting them out and letting them persist in a state that's going down. I think the difference being in in the in, in the in the state that they're they're in a decline. You never know when that can change. You can usually predict that it's especially near the the last few days. Um, but if you ease them, and just people have told me who have been with their loved ones, most people, not everybody, uh, that it was valuable for them so that they could reconnect. That they could, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, really spend those last few days with their their parent or their brother, sister, reconnect. Family members could come and spend time together. The World Medical Association, which represents over uh, eleven thousand doctors um, in a hundred, sorry, eleven million doctors in in over one hundred and ten countries, uh, is uh, firmly opposed to assisted suicide and euthanasia, um, not because. You know we're doctors, and we 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 want people to suffer. We're trained to make alleviate suffering, to cure when we can't to to alleviate people's suffering, and giving them the full support. and 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 palliative care is not does not include uh, euthanasia and assisted suicide. Uh, the danger is, of course, not just in uh, lives, valuable lives that could be lost. For example, in my book, I talk about cystic fibrosis and several children who were euthanized in Belgium, uh, and only a few months later, a new treatment came out, which um, uh, radically changed the treatment. It was actually, it was actually a cure for uh, cystic fibrosis. I wonder if those parents, if they had known about this new treatment only a few months later, would have had a different approach to having their children euthanized. And, and there are many new treatments that do come out. Some people say, well, you, you, you sort of, you know, you got some really bad neurological disorders, and now that's being presented as a reason for doing it here in Quebec, and that's just been tabled. This new legislation, but new treatments do come. We should be investing, doing more research. I I talk about that in my book, um, and promoting life. I talk about my father-in-law, who spent three uh, weeks in the ICU, and he was basically given what they call palliative sedation, controlling his pain. He had a very bad. Uh, cancer. He was operated on, and he was uh, all his complete organ failure. That was in 2010. Uh, we absolutely refused to take him off. Not saying that you you can't. That's not euthanasia, but uh, we chose not to. And they continue his treatment. And uh, today, 13 years later, he's uh, he's in his 80s, early 80s. Uh, he's uh, does Italian gardening still. Uh, he always likes to compare my garden to his. My garden is pathetic. The tomatoes never grow smaller than a, a pea size, and his are huge and big. And he also uh, makes sausages and uh, does uh, pizzas and teaches my kids uh, Italian cooking. So uh, you never know outcomes. I also talk about people who've been told 
that they had cancer and they didn't have cancer. Uh, people who were ready not to, because it looked like on the, uh, on the studies uh, that they had cancer, um, uh, almost were ready to get euthanasia, but when they went through investigations, they had uh, treatable illnesses. So we never know outcomes. And, and because life is so valuable, uh, we need to uh, give life a chance. I mean, there's a strong opposition to capital punishment uh, because you never know the innocent people um, who, who've been uh, killed by capital punishment. And if you look at studies, they say about 4% of people who are in death row are actually innocent. But in with assisted suicide euthanasia, uh, we're about 50% wrong in making diagnosis for serious uh, illnesses. No, I'm sorry, I correct myself, 20% wrong in, 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 in predicting uh, who has really a, a, a serious illness. And these are based on US insurance um, studies. And 50% of the time, we can't prognosticate who's going to die over the next 60 months. That's like flipping a coin. What are the current laws in Canada? I know that just in, in fact, this month of March, we just started uh, a new <clears throat> avail availability, you would say, uh, for euthanasia. Um, and uh, in Quebec, they're even looking at euthanasia for children. Where are we right now in terms of our Canadian legislation? Well, the Canadian legislation now has... Um, uh, is uh, allowing it for uh, people was, you know, we don't have to have a terminal illness. You don't have to be, it doesn't have to be life ending. Um, and the, uh, the criteria for um, uh, mental illness, they're postponing it for a year. They were going to do it uh, this March. Only this month, yeah. Because, yeah, because of the large outcry worldwide and Canada is considered the most liberal um, jurisdiction now for another year. And they're looking at children as also being uh, future uh, victims for euthanasia. Uh, so um, this is not a nice place to be. In Quebec, uh, we are the leading. Uh, we have the leading percentage of deaths by euthanasia uh, uh, compared to the rest of the world. Um, it's somewhere in the order of seven percent, and they're extending it now um, with what they call uh, anticipated. If you, if for example, as one doctor said. Uh, if the person can't recognize who their their loved ones are, that could be a criteria for them to quickly be put to death. And there's no going back once they've signed the papers before they get to that point. But not recognizing somebody does not necessarily mean a person doesn't have quality of life. Lots of older people uh, with memory deficits uh, still enjoy life. They still enjoy having uh, family members around, even if they don't necessarily remember their names. Just a quick note before we return, if you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. One of the odd boasts right now is that we have lots of organs to donate uh, because we are making good use of our patients who take up uh, medical aid in dying. <laughs> Let me hear your take on that. Yeah, I think this is, uh, uh, this is a, a real travesty. Uh, you know, it's really organ harvesting. And people have, I've heard people say, well, what a great gift that person did by uh, um, uh, dying and giving up their organs. Uh, this is uh, premeditated murder. 
um, you know, and uh, they can still um, harvest uh, organs from people after they've died naturally. Um, uh, this this is uh, this is really uh, promoting another way of promoting euthanasia, another way of selling it. You know, what? How did we ever get to this point? Uh, it's it's through um, promotion. It's through you know uh, exaggerating uh, the 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 suffering. Uh, you know, they talk about horrible, agonizing death uh, instead of saying how we can palliate the death. They talk about it being glamorous. They talk about it being voluntary. But people who um, volunteer, when you look at the reasons, it's because they don't want to be a burden. So they're, 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 they're victimized into and guiltified into uh, being wanting to die. They, 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 you know, they get physicians. They medicalize it. That's how the Germans did it. The Germans made sure doctors were involved, so we could say it's a it's a medical procedure, but it's not a medical procedure. Never has been a medical procedure, but they've medicalized it uh, to justify it. And um, when you were talking about um, referral, uh, the Nuremberg trial considered referral as being uh, an accomplice to euthanasia, and people who referred to something that they knew in their heart was wrong, uh, they were still considered accomplices. Uh, I refuse to refer. I've gone on record in my book, in the courts, um, and I will tell people I do not. Uh, you can look it up, you can find somebody else, but I will not refer you. Because when I refer somebody, it's to better their, their quality of their care, to uh, ensure uh, that they get uh, a good outcome, the best outcome. I know that the outcome when I refer to assisted suicide euthanasia it's, it's, it's a dead end. They're literally going to die. That, to me, is not the way to, uh, uh, to practice medicine or to refer. What do you see of the tie-in between abortion and euthanasia? Yeah, I think that I think it's uh, euthanasia of the, of, the, of the baby. And I, the best example was reported in the uh, National Catholic Register, which the hospital hasn't denied. There was reported, and I, uh, I can't confirm it, but it was reported that there was a 38 week old baby uh, apparently was able to be able to come to a, a natural uh, birth uh, and it was um, it was uh, euthanized in the utero. Um, they call it an abortion when you inject a deadly substance into the uh, into the baby. Um, but that's euthanasia in utero. So whenever we kill babies or abort them, we are actually pr practicing euthanasia in utero. Uh, the hospital says they don't practice feticide. Feticide by law means well, after the baby's delivered that you kill it. But what's a, a matter of a few minutes, a few inches, a few centimeters um, in time? This is a fully viable, healthy baby. And in, in Canada, uh, we it's, it's legal to uh, perform uh, late-term abortions. Um, and we're talking late-term right up to the time of delivery. Um, and if you look at the directives of our college, which are, haven't been put up to date yet, but as 2012, they described special social circumstances. In the story in the National Register, they were talking this person as being a homeless person, and that was her decision. But you see, when people are, 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 are really under lots of pressure, often they will choose to do abortions. If you look at the Guttmacher Institute, which is a very pro-abortion um, group, and they work with Planned Parenthood, in their studies, they showed in 2005, 73% of women who decide on abortions do it for financial reasons. That means these are women feeling strapped. Uh, then 
And then uh, another large group within that were for uh, lack of uh, professional educational opportunities. Uh, when you talked about rape and incest, that's like uh, less than 1%, even a very much smaller percent. Uh, um, so the large percentage, and this is what I'm really concerned, is that we're it's become a um, economic option. Uh, society doesn't want to spend money to help um, support uh, women who are poor. Um, you know, and you have all these companies, large companies. I won't name their names, um, but uh, that that during the time of the Roe v. Wade being reversed, um, that they said we're we'll support, we'll pay for abortions, we'll pay for transport, rather than paying for just that. And if they want to, that's their choice. Also, give women decent salaries. Uh, you know, don't um, exploit them because it's exploitation. The salaries that many of these big companies who are and many of the owners and CEOs are billionaires uh, so that they have enough money so they can support and have children and bring them into the world. That, to me, is a question of social justice and equity that's being completely ignored. The euthanasia question does often come down to economics. We have a culture which is um, unable to afford um, a lot of our healthcare system because our population has dwindled. Um, we don't have that much birth anymore in Canada uh, in terms of the birth rate. So a lot of people have said, hey, um, we need to do something to adjust here because people's, you know, healthcare costs are greatest at the end of life. And uh, we've got a glut there. We need to do something about it. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I think you explained it quite clearly. Uh, we've killed the future doctors, nurses, accountants, lawyers, uh, workers, um, um, through abortion. If you look at uh, the U.S. since Roe v. Wade, about 63 million children. You can put Canada around a little over 6 million. Uh, worldwide, it's probably about 1.5 billion, and that's an underestimate, but that's only talking about the first generation of people who are lost, not their children and their children after that. Um, so we've created this crisis for ourselves, you know, and uh, people say, uh, you know, what does God have to do it? Well, if you look at our our own constitution, we're um, uh, it, it talks about the supremacy of God. It begins with, uh, we believe in the supremacy of God and the rule of law, supremacy of God. God created man. God breathed life into man. Um, he knew us in our mother's womb. These are all biblical principles. So how would you kill somebody that represents, that's us, who are the image, we're not God, but the image of God, his creation? And so uh, we're, we're paying for uh, ignoring uh, biblical principles, uh, for, you know, in the rule of law, the law is God's law. That's the start of it. You know, don't kill. You know, you can't just say, well, it's whatever we decide on, the, on a whim. We're going to make laws for abortion. We're going to make laws for euthanasia. And so, it, it, so we, we start killing uh, uh, before birth. And we end up killing everybody all the way up to the end of life. And, um, and it really comes to a model, what I call a utilitarian model. And by the way, the Germans believed in that model. And we've gone that, that road. And I'm not saying that people that do this are Nazis, but we've, we've been where they, they started off like us, you know, was for good reasons, economics, save money. You know, we have to help the stronger and, you know, we can't take care of everybody. And that's how they end up with their society. Do we want to go that way? And I'm saying, no, let's, let's put a stop. Let's admit we went where we were wrong. And let's value each life 
Um, you know, the, when I say economic, uh, the, the Canadian Medical Journal published um, uh, a little while ago an article showing that there were economic savings to euthanasia. The Canadian government also did a study um, showing economics, uh, their savings. But you know what? What's the best saving is, is the best investment is life, is human life. Uh, because we never know the outcomes, and every life is valuable. And if we value each person, that could be a, a family member. It could be ourselves. It could be a person we don't even know. I go back to the Good Samaritan model. You know, the people who don't uh, remember the whole story, I'll just in brief, uh, as Jesus described, when, who is your neighbor and who, do, who you're supposed to take care of if you want to uh, be a godly person. He says, take care of, uh, uh, he described the story of the man on the side of the road who was left half dead, beaten up by bandits. And the uh, Samaritan picked him up, took him on his donkey, took him to an inn, paid for his care and said, whatever more you need, uh, I'll pay when I come back. I'm not using this as a model to promote privatization. I'm saying that this, the, the you know, our public purse is the money that we use to care for people. We don't know the outcome of this man. Did he end up dying? Did he end up um, being handicapped? Or did he fully survive? And did he contribute to society? We don't know. Jesus, it wasn't important to Jesus. Jesus went around healing the lepers. He healed everybody, the blind, the sick, the everyone. Uh, and it wasn't like, well, will these be good, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, minions for the uh, for for society, that's not what we're valuable because God created us, and we need to value each each other. I think that very concept that we are created in the image and likeness of God, that uh, we are children of God, His creation, and how dare people think to kill God's creation is really the core of the pro-life belief. It's one that I know many people frown on because you're not supposed to mention God in the debates, but. I think that's how all this started. The removal of God from the public square is what then opens the, you know, the floodgates to anything and everything. It goes against our own Canadian laws and our Canadian constitution. You know, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, the guarantee of the uh, of life. Um, you know, our uh, sadly, our Supreme Court twisted it around and said that. Guaranteeing life doesn't mean you you have to force life. We're not saying force life. Never has. And palliative care doesn't force life. You know, uh, it, it it eases people. And if you match the, the control of pain and, and suffering to the person suffering, uh, you don't you don't uh, you actually increase life. You don't uh, suppress life. Studies have shown that you increase morphine and pain because they eat better, they drink better, they feel better. And all palliative care does increases quality of life. So um, they're shortchanging human life, and they're going against the Canadian Constitution, and I'll be glad to uh, debate any judge, whoever wants to judge me on your program, I'll be willing to talk to them and, and debate them. Uh, but this goes against um, our own Canadian Constitution. This is contrary to our Canadian Constitution. Indeed. How do you see a way, for, way out for Canada? I think, I always tell people, pray, uh, because God can only, God can change, the Holy Spirit can change people's lives and perspective. Uh, because uh, we're, we can be blinded by economics, by the, the ways of the world, uh, by the world system. Uh, so that's the first thing I always tell people. And then uh, speak, you know, you know, have form, have an opinion, express yourself as we're doing today. Um, and show, uh, and I try to always constantly show to people that this is our laws, our healthcare system has been based on Christian principles. Uh, whenever I've been at conferences, 
uh, or, or government hearings, they say, well, Dr. Saba, that was then and now is now. I says, no, now is now and now is based on Christian principles. And uh, if you look a little bit, you don't have to look far. Look at uh, everything that uh, I described, you know, from uh, the Good Samaritan, the Canadian Constitution, the Good Samaritan, Sir William Mossler, and all of our teachings and the medical model, we've always cared for people. And when we go against that, we suffer the consequences. We lose lives that are valuable. We do hor horrific things. Killing a, a, a you know, a, a doing a late term abortion um, is, is, is a terrible thing. Um, and um, it's, it's a human life. And we can, we can modify and improve social circumstances when uh, people are being euthanized because they can't afford housing. Or there was one story of a woman who uh, couldn't find environmentally um, uh, acceptable housing for her case. And we, we always talk about the environment. We're spending billions and trillions around the world on environment. We can't save one human life, a person who's desperately ple pleading for affordable housing that can meet her needs. That's a travesty of our system. I would call it, I would even go so far, it's even hypocritical. Dr. Paul Saba, where can we get your book and uh, learn more about you? Well, you can buy it at any uh, book store. You can bu even buy it on, um, uh, you go to our website, madetolive.com, M-A-D-E-T-O-L-I-V-E.com. Uh, and there we have all different, uh, uh, you know, indigo chapters. Um, and, and, and any other bookstore, you can even go it on Amazon if you want. Um, I just encourage you to buy it and um, it will just, uh, I think it will help people to understand so that they'll be better able to explain to their friends and to their family why they value life. Beautiful. Dr. Paul Saba, thank you so much for being with us and for defending life. Thank you so much for the opportunity to defend life. God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.